The following is an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast, hosted by President of Applied Vision Works, Don Hadley. An in-depth look at the four pillars of sustainable success. This is Don Hadley, President of Applied Vision Works. We are doing our Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast. I have been threatened and told I need to quit doing some of these interviews, so I'm going to be interviewed today. The topic I'm going to be interviewed on is leaders, teams, and cultures for a variety of reasons, which hopefully will emerge as I get interviewed. Who is interviewing me is Andrew Bird. He's a specialist in making things happen. Specifically at the moment, he uh, focuses on real estate, affordable homes, and is somebody that if you're looking to build, buy, or rent, he would be somebody to talk to. But today he's playing the role of interviewer, talking to me, and uh, We'll see where we can get. Andrew. So this should be a good exercise for me because I'm a terrible listener and I'm working on that too. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, So the first thing I want to ask you about, because it's so important to me in business, is I want you to talk about some of your mentors or your number one mentor and not anybody besides your family. Anybody besides family. Uh, There's a gentleman by the name of Bob DeMarco. When I was age 19, I worked for him. And he basically had his own business. He did tool and die stamping. He also represented some companies in Korea that did printed circuit boards. They could do like 15 layers. And so he hired me to move to Boston to begin to try and develop his business there. And as that occurred, he had some problems happen in Korea. And so he sent me to Korea actually three or four times to actually work with the Koreans to make sure the product could be produced for the high-tech industry. So early on in business, he had confidence in me and not that I knew what I was doing, but that I would follow his direction. So he spent a lot of time coaching me and teaching me and then would send me off to do something. And then uh, the next day or that evening, I would get a phone call. He'd say, hey, how'd it go? What happened? What worked? What didn't? And so he was a great mentor of mine that taught me early that age kind of didn't matter. Um, Give someone a little bit of coaching, let them run, and they can make quite a difference. And that gave me a lot of confidence throughout my career. So he was one of them. Did he have kids? Um, Yeah, he had kids. He actually had some kids in his business which was interesting. One of them didn't like me very much, which was kind of interesting too. So we got into a few tussles about different things. So. Well, why do you think he was so good to you? I think he... I was going to make it very self-serving about me because I'm such a great guy. But the reality was, is he also had a strong need. And I think he had a lot of stuff changing in his business at the time and needed somebody that he could have do a lot of different things. He had me working on blueprints. He had me taking off parts of blueprints so they could do the tool and die. He had me programming tool and die machines. So he used me in a lot of different parts of the business, Uh, everything from cleaning toilets, if you will, to negotiating things that had to happen. And he also taught me a lot of smoothness. He, He taught me that being smooth with people is helpful because it makes them feel comfortable to be able to talk to you. And if they'll talk to you, they'll tell you what they need and want, and then you can figure out how to deliver it, either within that meeting or later. So I think part of it was he saw in me someone open and willing to work in a lot of different areas. I didn't need a lot of direction if someone just coached me. But I think part of it was also he had the need, kind of those two pieces there. He was also just a giving guy. Last question about him. Do you you think that he thought that you may be more moldable? I don't think that's a word, but other than his children were? Yeah, I think that was 
was part of it. They were giving him a lot of trouble in fighting him. So I think moldable actually is that's probably a good astute observation on your part. I'm very moldable. There was another guy here in Raleigh by the name of Bill Dix uh, that was a mentor of mine for a number of years. And he would take me to breakfast and tell me stories. And that was cool. And I was like, well, he's a nice guy. It's fun. I'm hearing stories. And then I find myself in meetings thinking, hey, Bill told me a story similar to this situation. Here's what worked and didn't work in the story he told me. So I'm going to do that here. And then I realized years later, he was really doing a great job kind of informally coaching, mentoring me because I was able to get a lot of his wisdom. Somebody said, you're smart if you learn from your own mistakes, but you're wise if you learn from the mistakes of others. And he was allowing me that opportunity, which I very much appreciated. Let's talk about mindsets because I think mindsets are huge, how you can set your mind to believe something or not believe it. And so what what kind of mindset have you taken to be successful? And and is that has that been a tough kind of calloused mindset or does that have been more understanding? Is that, I know it's changed throughout the years probably, but what do you think your your most, when you're at your best, what's your best mind? Like what kind of mindset are you in and what's, what's helped you? What kind of mindset's helped you? At a very young age, basically at age 16, I was tossed out of the house. And in the course of doing that, I had to ask the question, what did I believe in life? How was I going to survive? Um, how was I going to not just survive, but also enjoy life. I was taught early on that you could do anything you wanted, but then kind of it seemed like all the rules changed at 16. And I, you know, am I going to believe what I believe? And I found that I had to choose between either a negative mindset of the world's bad, a nasty place, whatever, or I could say, hey, this is a great opportunity to have freedom to really craft the life I want and to do it earlier, quicker, faster than a lot of people. And so the mindset that I learned early was that of openness, learning things from other people in their there was another podcast you and I had done together and you'd set up a board of advisors. And so I basically set up an informal board of advisors to help teach coach me kind of what was important, but then I also made it my own. And so I wouldn't necessarily take the advice of any one person. I would take all the advice together, wrap it up in a package and mold it and use it the way I wanted. And I've had probably three times in my life that have been incredibly trying and difficult where I had to make the choice, am I going to try and stay positive, open and keep learning new things? Or am I going to bite down, run from the world, run from the problem. And I'm proud to say at my age of 55, every time it's happened, I've risen to the challenge and gone at it. The other mindset I think is I want to follow the rules, but a lot of rules are bullshit. Shouldn't have said yes. that, I guess. Yes, they are. <laughs> but at the same time, I need to follow them to do the right thing. But I've also got to choose what's best morally right for the people in the situation. And regardless of how hard something is, or if it's against the rules, you can win a lot of big battles, incredibly painful. In Lawrence of Arabia, there's a part in the movie where he lights a match and he lets the match burn down to his fingers. And the guys around him are like, oh my gosh, how'd you do it? And it's kind of like, well, if you don't care that it hurts, it's pretty easy to do. And I think in a lot of my life, with that openness and willingness to learn, it's put me in a lot of very difficult situations that are very painful, but yet I've learned not to care that they hurt. And I've started to define the hurt or pain as, hey, this is a great opportunity to learn and I'm learning better, smarter, wiser things to do it. So I've kind of learned to go into that pain. Now, again, there's doing that stuff stupidly and there's not doing it stupidly. As I've gotten older, I've learned how to more importantly fight the right battles. I've also learned some battles just aren't worth fighting. So let's talk about other people's mindsets. Sure. Like, so you go into a business and, and you, you change the culture. What, what kind of mindset are you seeing that, that isn't working for the, like what, what kind of mindset would you say is the most common mindset of, of people who are not making it work? It? Rigidity. This is the way it is. Rigidity. This is the way it is. This is the way we've always like done it. Scared of change. This is the logical thing. Right. Have to do it this way. Right. Because we've always done it this way. You know, I mean, 
not to I find it so so ridiculous that oh since we've always done it this way we're always going to do it that this way it's 2019 we're not doing it like we did in 1970 or 80 or or 2000 and so continuing to to have move along with I think societal norms are bullshit most of them because I think it shapes you into this person like you know you come out you come out this innocent baby and then and all of a sudden you're 34 like me and you have all these things that you think that aren't really true about whatever and it's just kind of like crazy if you just take a step back out of it and be like that's really not how it is but that's the way I've been told it is I was talking to a uh, psychologist one time and I made the comment well I'm an introvert and he jumped all over me pretty hard he said well no you're not he said, you're not only an introvert. He said, you're also an extrovert. You're also an ambivert. You're all these things. He said, everybody's everything. We're all beef stew. Yeah. We've got beef, chicken, shrimp. We've got vegetables. We've all got it. Now, you may have a tendency to do one thing or the other. The problem isn't that we're mainly one way or another. It's that if we cling to it and rigid about it, that sometimes produces a good result, sometimes bad. If we instead forget that piece of it, and I look at the situation, the people involved, and I say, hmm, let's figure this out. What do I need to be in this situation to bring this to the best result, to build relationships, to enjoy the interaction, to take these people to the next level? Do I need to be introverted, extroverted, or maybe for 10 minutes I got to be extrovert, then an introvert for 10 minutes? It's And I'm using that. Extrovert, introvert's kind of a trite thing, but there are some times that you do do things the way they've always been done. There's sometimes you change it. Sometimes you do big changes, sometimes small. But instead of trying to choose one methodology, one way of thinking, one perspective, let's look at many perspectives and choose what's best. And then it also gives us more freedom, not only to be more effective, but I feel like I'm more me in my life now. I'm living my life on very few rules, quite frankly. What is something that people misunderstand about you that wouldn't come up in a normal conversation? I think there's two things people misunderstand. I think when— And, and do you think they're both true, or do you think they're made up in your head? Well, <laughs> might need to talk to the rest of the audience to figure <laughs> out about that. Um, I've had some people say, hey, you're a nice guy. And so when they say I'm a nice guy, I think some of those relationships are ones I've terminated over the years because they don't really believe I'll stand up for certain things, and they keep taking things farther and farther. They take your kindness for weakness? That's what happens. And so I've learned a lot of times early on in a relationship is to make sure that I'm clear with them that I do have limits and I do have beliefs and here's my expectations. And so by being, being clear up front, I think they still say he's a nice guy, but it's also he's clear about what he wants and how the relationship ought, ought, ought to operate. But also he listens to me. And so he's also open to, to my needs. So I think they it, it's changed my dynamics greatly. So relationships I get into now run for years and, and go very, very well. In fact, a lot of our clients we've been working with 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and I think that's really a function of learning that piece. Now, let me go to the other side for a minute, and I think sometimes people perceive me as an angry, intense person, or they define my intensity as being angry, and it's not. I get very intense. Part of it's because I believe. Part of it's I have energy. Or passion. Passion. And so sometimes they won't engage with me because they're fearful of it. So what I've got to make sure is I'm not just nice. I'm not just passionate. What I've got to do is gauge the situation I'm in. I've got a uh, client that we just started working with with, it's got some major problems in their culture. Their culture is a culture of rigidity, and we're going to keep doing it the same. So I need to be nice enough 
and open enough and listen to them enough to understand where they're at and build the relationship. But I need to be passionate and clear enough with expectations that they're clear on how they need to change. And I need to teach them how to make it their own. I don't want them just to blindly take my advice. Right. So that requires kind of a depth of interaction. What, what is what is uh, what is something that that you're good at that people don't know? I build wood model ships, and I'm a great dancer. I did not know that. That's cool. wood I've built okay. about 20 wood model ships, and they're three feet long, two or three feet high. Uh, I can drink wine while doing it. Do you have the saw and the whole deal? Like oh, yeah. I've workshop? got all the equipment. Really? Well, I've got kind of a collapsible workshop I can take wherever and do it. That's cool. So it is cool, and it's fun. And it's and so I've got them around the house and at the office, and I'm kind of taking a break from it right what, now. What is it about the, the boats? Why did you pick that hobby? I'm not sure what I do for a living because a lot of it's psychological and getting people to see the world differently to change their mindset. And so sometimes at the end of a day or week, I don't have physical evidence I've produced anything. So it feels good to glue pieces of wood together and tie knots on a ship because I can see a physical result. Right. If I goof it up, I just I take it back apart. Right, so, so you're saying that you, you do the work and you get to see the result immediately after. It's kind of instant yes. gratification as opposed to what you're doing right now. In, you, in your career, it's more of a, sl- a sl- slow. Absolutely. Because you, know, you can't watch people change overnight. My business is growing gardens, right. people's minds, whereas I can see the result. And it's fun to talk about. And they're really cool looking. They, it's People think they're hard to do. They're not. Now, you might glue 8,000 pieces of wood together a certain mm-hmm. way and varnish it. But uh, to me, they actually look kind of sexy, cool when they're done. And I've actually done ships of a lot of countries I've visited around the world. So I've been to Korea, so I built a Korean turtle ship. I've been to Hong Kong, so I built a, 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 a Chinese junk. Um, I've been to Portugal, so I built a Portuguese carrick. Where I've been you, to Spain. Are these displayed in your home? Yeah, at home and at uh, at the office. Yeah. So cool. they are cool. I did not know that about you. Well, it's if it's I might even sell one to you. I have kind of a dream to selling one for some big price at some point. I don't have to a money. fancy country club. <laughs> oh, that, I'm not. That's not true. <laughs> we talk about strokes a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, giving strokes. And so you give a lot of strokes in your business. You always are giving strokes to people, encouraging them to be better, whatever. Doesn't that get you go around giving people strokes all day long and you get home and nobody's giving you a stroke? How do you how do you deal with that? Like you need one and and for me, when I feel like I need one, I brought this up, when I feel like I need somebody to say, Hey, attaboy, it makes me feel weak and that's just Yes, right? That's made up in my mind. I think there's a mythology out there that we shouldn't need strokes from others because we're men or we're business owners, whatever it is. There's also that we shouldn't be weak or have to ask for strokes. And I guess I'm fortunate because 32 years ago, general contractor who's become a very good friend, but also been a client for 30 plus years, said I had to go to a program. And it was a bunch of psych- psychology tests. And it was over a week's period of time. And they basically, you spend a week with a bunch of other people, and you're learning how your mind works. And one of the beliefs in my head was I was not lovable. And therefore, I had to prove my lovability by performing at a very high level. And the problem was, is at a young age, I was burning myself out. I was very accomplished, but I was producing results for the wrong reason. So where I'm going with this to your question is I had to learn how to hug myself, love myself, and I'm still working on it today. I'm not there completely, but it's better than it was three years ago, 10 years ago, et cetera. How many books have you read this year? Oh, gosh. I mean, I called you. 70? 70 books. I, I read about two a week. I burn through a lot fast. 
Oh my! And goodness. actually, this year has been a slower oh year I, for a little bit. Do you know how fast you can read? That's amazing. Well, it, I had somebody tell me years ago. In fact, I, I asked for strokes, as you call it, some years ago. I sent a letter to a bunch of people, and I said, "Are we, what are three things you really appreciate about me?" And I got the letters back, and I was using those letters to figure out what's my unique talent or ability that I need to make sure I'm using and continue developing. And one of them said, "You're like an encyclopedia." And I was like, "Well." like an encyclopedia. It took me a while to figure it out, but about six months later, I realized, you know, I read every night 15, 20 minutes. I wonder if I read 30 minutes, read an hour. So I kept cranking up how much I read, and I kept increasing my capabilities and people kept saying, wow, that's really helpful. I didn't know you knew that. So as that's occurred, a lot of what I've read is I filter and I have put into our business system. In business, we call it our comprehensive independence builder for business owners. Get the business owners less dependent on the business, financially, emotionally, et cetera, and get the business less dependent on the owner, which makes for a much better dynamic. And so we've built our program through a lot of reading where I filter and we've built what we call a library of wisdom. Well, you have a library of wisdom. I mean, you're, you, know, you read a lot of books. If you read 70 books this year, two questions. How many are nonfiction? How many are fiction? And two, how much are you retaining of that information? I read about six or seven books at a time. Oh, okay. So you're jumping from book to book, book. Okay. I and I'm say. trying to connect the data <laughs> yeah. and about half are fiction and half nonfiction. Right. And okay, I'll change so the, the mix some. So I'm but... a nonfiction person. So what, okay. do you, like, what kind of nonfiction stuff are you reading? Is it about psychology? A lot of it's about psychology of cultures and teams. A lot of it I've been reading recently is about family family dynamics where there's addictions and things like that. I find in business, you get addictions. They just call it something different. Yeah. In fact, it was funny. I was talking to a business owner the other day that felt like um, he had a drug addiction. I said, really? I, you don't? He said, yeah, it's called workaholism. Is oh, He's yeah, using he can be addicted to anything. working Food, anything. to yeah. cover up what Absolutely. his real issues are. So I'm not sure I answered the question. but This is something that I, that I personally have come to realize about myself. I'll read something in a book or somebody will give me a good piece of advice. I'm, yeah, I'm going to put that into play. Right. Mm -hmm. Sounds good for the first couple of days, and you do it, and then you just forget about it. And so, that I guess, talk about why people, why you think people don't follow through. They know it's good for them. They know they should do it, but they give up. So they give up so quickly on the diets. Everybody's at the gym in January. You want to go well, to the gym? people have people have an event happen. They go, aha, that's a great idea. What I do is almost every time I, I read, I either have my iPad or a pad of paper, and I'm taking notes. And as I take these notes, I'm trying to really brainstorm what's useful that I can use myself, use with someone else now, or use with someone else later. And then I'll take, if I read three books, let's say, on cultures and business, is I'll take the notes of the three books and build two modules, and within each module might be three exercises. So the way I do it, by taking notes, it really doubly gets into my head. I'm generally talking with my design team at the office about it, so having to verbalize it to someone else cements it even farther. Then we build modules that are usable. And then I'll go out and I'll actually test it with clients. So I'll say to a client, hey, I'd like to kind of do some culture work with your team today. Do you mind if I take 30 minutes? I haven't used this module before, but I'd like to just kind of test drive it and get your all's feedback comments. And so from that, we'll actually have our, that's kind of our market research where our audience says, yeah, this was useful or not, or this part was useful, this part wasn't. So Andrew, I appreciate you interviewing me. Those of y'all, even though I was the one interviewed, if you would like a business health assessment, we'd be glad to send that to you. C Chase, C-C-H-A-S-E at Applied Vision Works. If you send him an email, we'll send you a business health assessment. And perhaps if you're kind of nice to him, he will talk me into doing a 30-minute discovery session with you. So thank you for listening and would love any feedback you've got on what you like about our podcast or what you would like us to do differently. Or if you have a particular topic, we can cover just about anything as you are finding out. Thank you very much.
You've been listening to the Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast, hosted by Don Hadley, owner and president of Applied Vision Works. Any questions, concerns? Please email Craig Chase at cchase at appliedvisionworks.com or call 800-786-4332. This has been an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works.